want to welcome everybody to uh, Bethel Covenant Church out here in the cornfields of uh, Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and glad to see you all here, and uh, those at home watching us, welcome. Uh, encourage your friends to uh, tune in if you'd like, but uh, we want to thank you so much for being here today. So I'd like to uh, say a prayer to open this church service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and mercy. Be with us today as we enter this Advent season, and we call up upon your spirit to uh, just uh, be with us and draw us close to you. Amen. So I'm going to uh, light the first Advent candle here. Um, I think we're going to do couples this year. And uh, the first... So we're a couple. Yeah. Go ahead there. Um, the first, the first uh, uh, candle, the purple candle, is for hope. And from Isaiah... Um, in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So as we light the first candle of Advent Sunday for hope, uh, I, you know, Isaiah's words were written to desperately longing people on the brink of losing hope. They offer uh, an equal hope. And, and they offer us an equal hope in the one who was, who has already come and is gone but will come again. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come up, and we'll worship the Lord today. today and uh, you know we're not too different from uh, the people that uh, Isaiah is speaking to right um, very often we are uh, longing for hope and desperate for God's help and his provision amen and, uh, and we worship a God uh, who cares for his people who loves his people and uh, we're just uh, glad to be in his presence today uh, and to worship together so what a blessing what a privilege it is so why don't we join in uh, worshiping the one true God this morning.
God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord
you dwell, God, among your people, and you are here with us today. We rejoice in that, God. Guide us as we go, hear from your word as we enter into prayer. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. For those that don't know you, I'm Joanne Farrell, and I'm the council secretary, and today's my day to make announcements and have prayer time with you. So um, announcements, well, after service, we're going to decorate, do some decorating for Christmas. So if you're able, please stay and help with that. Um, we're getting ready for all the Christmas things that will be happening, one of which will be Night of Song, and that is on December the 9th um, at 7 o'clock here at church. And that's kind of the adult Christmas party. But we welcome children to participate too. But this is a time for adults to share their talents, their music, their readings, um, in playing their instruments or whatever they would like to share with us. And as I say, children are also welcome to share individual things. And the following Sunday on the 11th will be the children's Christmas program um, during the service time. And on the 21st, we will be having our Double K Coffee Cafe um, Christmas Jamboree or, or jam session, whatever you want to call it. And there will be lunch following that. So if you're able to attend the Double K on Wednesday morning, um, come and enjoy some Christmas music and a lot of holiday fun that day. Um, along with that, in the community, um, there's Light Up the Fair um, for Christmas, and that it will be on December 9th and 10th, the 16th and the 17th. And um, there'll be lights and there'll be games and um, activities in the fairgrounds, and they will be collecting donations um, for something. I'm not sure what they're... Anyway, donations for the fair. And Ruby's Pantry is going to be um, part of a sponsor and will be um, helping um, around the S'mores um, area at that event. And speaking of Ruby's Pantry, that's coming up this weekend. That's on Saturday. Um, the, um, it, it starts at 10 o'clock to 11.30. We need lots of volunteers for that, so if you haven't already volunteered, the list is on the table out in the atrium here, just outside the door. Um, please sign up or go online and sign up to help with that. It's a, a great thing to help with. It's, it's fun to see all the people that are coming to pick up food shares and um, just to, to smile and greet them um, is good. And I'm not looking back here, so I don't know if I'm missing things or not. Um, there is no fusion in December. They'll, that'll start again in January. And is there anything I didn't talk about, Andy, that you put up there? We got them all? Okay, good. So now we are going to have our prayer time. And I asked Chloe ahead of time, I'm not going to spring this on her unexpected, if she wanted to be my microphone person today. So Chloe, if you want to come up. And if you have prayer requests, raise your hand. Chloe will watch for everybody, and she'll bring the microphone to you so you can make your request known so everyone can hear it. There you go. 
Um, please keep our little um, Olivia in prayer this Friday. She is having uh, a minor ear procedure done, but she has to be put under. So please uh, keep her in prayer. Thank you. I want to thank you for uh, praying for my daughter, youngest daughter, Grace. She had a baby uh, earlier this week, and mother and uh, son are at home with dad uh, enjoying the Christmas season. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, and the other thing, um, would you please be praying for our son? He leaves on Tuesday for six to seven months, um, So, and all that. All right, thank you. I've asked for prayer before for my daughter-in-law, Sue, and she did have that procedure, and she had one day without headaches, and then it started up again. So she has an appointment on the 28th of January at Mayo, and hopefully they find out what happened, that her headaches came back the next day. So if it just didn't quite take care of what was wrong, I don't know, just please pray for her. Thank you. We just ask for prayer for Steve again. Um, we just pray that the doctors on Monday, as they do another test, they'll come closer to finding out what that exact answer is for Steve. Um, he's been going through tests, and we just pray that they can find out exactly what's going on so Steve can move on with that. And then also I'd like to give a praise. So many talents in here in Bethel, and I just thank you that you are all using them, and I'm happy to see those that have signed up for our program on the 9th. And today, though, I'd like to give a special thank you to Sherry Johnson. We all know that she's this fantastic artist, and I showed my, our grandsons her artwork she did on the blackboard out here for us yesterday, and they said, boy, she's the next Mona Lisa. <laughs> and she really does well. So please notice her artwork out here on the bulletin board. She did an Advent um, art, and she's lighting a candle each Sunday after the service. So please look at that today. It's awesome. I have a Thanksgiving. On Wednesday, my sister's daughter had a huge seizure and she was unresponsive, but God is good and things have progressed rapidly and she may be coming home from the hospital today. I'd like to pray for my wife. She forgot where she sits for 30 years. Let's give Chloe a hand. Well, we have lots to pray about, lots of things to remember, but we know our God hears our prayers. And there are more than two or three gathered here, so we know he is listening. So let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. 
Thank you for your love and for this season when we remember you sending your son Jesus to be our savior. We know it's a difficult thing to share your child like that and we do so appreciate your great love for us. And Father, we bring before you our praises and our needs, the specific things that have been mentioned. Um, Olivia, as she faces a, a procedure on her ear this week, um, we pray for John and Sherry's son as he leaves on maneuvers for six to seven months. We also remember Sue, Kathy and Bob's daughter-in-law, and the situation the, um, that she's in, and, and we ask for healing and answers to questions there. We thank you that Chris's niece, Amy, um, came through this seizure and, per, a seizure and is doing well at the moment. We also praise you for um, Grace and the baby doing well at this point. We know it was kind of a difficult delivery, but we're thankful that you are with them and take care of them. We also thank you for the shoe boxes that went out, and we pray for those children who will be receiving those shoe boxes that they would learn about you and they would come to know you and accept you as their Savior. Along with all of the things listed on our bulletin, we pray for the pastoral search committee. Again, we know that you have our pastor chosen for us, and we pray that in your time, we'll make the connection with that person, and soon they'll be settled here, and they'll be standing here instead of me. And we pray for Anne Leonard as she goes through cancer treatments, and Tisha's father, Donnie, and the treatments that he is going through. We think of Steve Johnson and the testing and the um, all that is going on there to try and find an answer to his um, situation with his heart, and we just pray for him. We desperately, we need him here. We love him, and we want the best for him, and we do want him to be here with us. We pray for our old friend Bob Nelson and his health issues, for Doris Colson, Milt Helmer, Lyle Stockwell, and for our baby Noah that is waiting for a heart. We know that you're in control of all of these issues, and we just thank you that you love us. You are the great physician, and you will heal. And we just praise you, and we thank you for that, and we ask these things in your name, Father. Amen. And at this point, the children can leave with um, Krista, and I would guess they're going out the back door, so we'll let the kids go. I'm sure they're working on something important for Christmas, so... And the worship team will join us again. All right, thank you, Joanne. Um, please, uh, please stand with us as you're able this morning. As we uh, sing one more song here, as we prepare to give of our uh, gifts and uh, hear from God's word this morning, let's lift up our praise today.
day, God, we will sing, we will rejoice, God, we will lift up our praise once and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, amen. Please be seated. Well, I had my notes in front of me, but I forgot one of them, a big important one. Um, we have our offering box out here by the door if you want to drop something in there, or you can mail it um, to the address, uh, the church address, which is W8405 County Road Double K, Ellsworth, Wisconsin, or you can go online and do your offering online, um, or you can share your talents as well. And we have one of our I guess he would be a son of, of Bethel, who is here to share his talents with us this morning. Um, our good friend Ken Peterson is going to bring the message to us today. Um, I think most of us know Ken, so I'm not going to give a big biography. He can introduce himself or tell us whatever he wants to, and hopefully he will have a little update on Leanne and the situation in the Ukraine, too. So welcome, Ken. Good morning, friends. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Leanne's father. <laughs> you all know Leanne. Uh, I see you all survived the marathon week of turkey and football and Black Friday shopping and cutting Christmas trees and everything else that happened in the last week. And that's good. It's good to be here this morning. First of all, I want to bring a little update on Leanne. Uh, I've been in touch with her almost every day. Uh, she's about 50 miles from the Dnipro River where the war is being waged. Uh, she's about 60 miles 
from the Zephronia nuclear plant, which has always been in the news, uh, fearing something will happen there. But she's, she's safe. Uh, the Russian strikes have made life difficult. Uh, she was going to have Thanksgiving dinner for her Ukrainian friends, and uh, the day before Thanksgiving, she had no water and no electricity. She did have gas. Her friend Amanda had electricity, but no water. And uh, as a result, they gathered their friends together at their church. They had about 20 of them there, and the church has a generator and water, so she survived that quite well. She plans on coming home on the 7th of December. Uh, it used to be pretty easy to come home, catch an overnight train to Kiev, Kiev to Amsterdam, Amsterdam home. No longer the option. She's going to be taking a train to the Polish border, crossing into Poland, then another train to Warsaw, catching a plane from Warsaw to either uh, Amsterdam or Paris, I don't know which, and then home. Uh, so instead of a 18 to 20 hour trip, she's going to have 36 to 48 hours in transit, providing the train tracks are still in place and everything else is still working. So, but she's hoping to be home uh, by the 7th. She's supposed to be speaking on the 9th, so I hope she's home by the 7th too for everybody that's looking for her to be there. Uh, but uh, she sends her greetings. Uh, life goes on. Uh, she says her city has been hit by missiles. Uh, a lot of them have been shot down, but she's been hit numerous times. She said she has heard them, but she's never seen one. The closest strike was about eight miles. So with that, I, I'm, I'm thankful that she's safe and thankful that I've got a chance to share a few words with you this morning. Uh, question I want to start with this morning. What did you do from the time you woke up this morning until the time you got here. Let's see. I shut the alarm off and opened my eyes. It was dark. I turned the light on. Hobbled out to the bathroom. Had warm, warm water. Had light. Looked in the mirror. Same old face that I've seen for years. Uh, wandered into the kitchen. Went rummaging for food. Opened the refrigerator. It was full of food. A lot of it left over. Uh, I found some, washed it down with a glass of orange juice, and took my meds. I looked for something suitable to wear, wandered back to the bathroom, shaved, took a warm shower, dressed and wandered back to the dining room and looked over a draft of the sermon and said, this is terrible. And I made some more notes and said, it's still terrible, but it's too late to do anything about it. So you're going to have to live with what I have for you today. Then I went out to the garage and hopped in my car. Actually, it was sitting outside. There was no ice today. And, put, and uh, drove on good roads to get here. And uh, so I'm here ready or not. Does that sound something like your morning? Uh, when we arrived, we said hello to friends. We found a comfortable pew to sit in. Sang some familiar songs and maybe some that are not so familiar. And now it's ready, you're ready to either take a nap or hear me preach. And when the nap is over, we'll drink coffee, eat snacks, fellowship with friends before going home, and feasting on leftovers from Thursday, and watching football or doing something. Uh, then we'll settle into that big soft chair uh, and take a, take a nap until supper. 
Is that more or less what your day is going to be? I think for a lot of us, this is it. But very small percentage of the people in the world can have a day like we had. And then we sometimes take it for granted, waking up and having eyesight, having an indoor bathroom with warm running water, having a choice of foods, even if they're leftover turkey, in the refrigerator, having meds to take, having more than one set of clothes to put on, and uh, having a car, having fuel, maybe not affordable fuel, but fuel, and paved roads to drive on, being able to sit here and worship openly. I recently watched a video called The Insanity of God, talking about the persecuted church around the world. And what we have here is really a rarity. So many Christians around the world cannot gather at all, or they must gather in secret, or face persecution that could cost them their lives. We take that for granted. And then we have friends to see. That's always nice. And uh, we return to our warm house afterwards and have free time to fellowship. And they said snacks, which are always good. We are so blessed and we take this for granted. This is normal for us. And as long as I've been growing up, families have gotten together on Thanksgiving Day. We've had a turkey. We've spent time with my cousins when we were growing up, my aunts and uncles and grandparents. Uh, that was a normal Thanksgiving. And we take it for granted. Uh, you, know, all, you all know the story of the, the pilgrims coming to America. Uh, and the first Thanksgiving, or as some people prefer to call it today, Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, but they gathered together to give thanks to the Creator for His provisions. Today, the children are being taught they gathered together to give thanks to the Indians for helping them through the first year. We all know the story of the pilgrims. They came here to avoid religious persecution. And to some degree, that's true. They were persecuted in England, but they had been living in Holland. Holland was very tolerant. They could, they could worship the way they wanted and tolerant. They went back to England to seek permission to go to the New World to start a colony in the New World where they could establish a, a country or a community based on religious principles. They sold everything they had and they booked passage on the Mayflower. And there's a, a, a replica of the Mayflower out in Boston. I toured that some years ago. I would not want to cross the Atlantic Ocean in that boat. All the pilgrims were kept on the lower deck, five and a half foot ceiling. I mean, they were short, but they weren't that short. And 101 people in this tiny, tiny hold. They were not allowed up on deck because of the storms, so they were locked in there. Uh, they had to prepare their food, but they couldn't have fires down there because the pitch in the ship, and they were afraid it set it on fire. So they had to eat what they could eat. No restroom facilities, no nothing. And it was so crowded that a pilgrim family had roughly the space allocated to them of the size of a bed. The young children slept with the parents in the bed. The, little kid, the older kids slept under the bed. And they sailed across the ocean uh, for 66 days. Everybody got seasick together. Everybody got food poisoning together. And they arrived in Massachusetts Bay. Then they were allowed on deck. The first thing they did, they held a prayer meeting. And the leaders formed together 
and drew up the first legal system in the U.S., the um, Mayflower Compact. It was the first legal system in any country in the world based totally on religious principles. They didn't know exactly where they were going. They prayed that the Lord would guide them in, in Massachusetts, and the storm came up and drove them to Plymouth, where they came ashore. We've all heard P Plymouth Rock. They came ashore, they found 20 acres had been cleared. They had seven good springs and no, no hostile Indians. And they, they put ashore with the belongings they had. This is December by the time they finally got ready to, to unload and, and Mayflower had to go back. They didn't have provisions to stay, spend the winter. So when they got off, there was no returning. Uh, so they, they set about trying to build some kind of a log cabin, uh, their, their meeting house, which would be their church, home, everything for the first winter. And miraculously, a Native American came out of the woods named Squanto, who spoke English. His story is equally as astounding. He taught them how to prepare food, how to dig eels out of the mud flats, how to harvest uh, sea creatures from the bay, and uh, they survived the winter. Um, they lost 45 of their 102 people during the first year. That's almost half of your brothers and sisters and parents and children were gone in the first year. And they learned to plant, and they planted a harvest and got a, a, a small crop. And uh, they wanted to invite the local Indians in, which is true, and they, they were going to try to have a meal with them. Well, what they weren't expecting was the Indians coming for three days, and that would put a little strain on the, the food supply. They also weren't expecting the whole tribe to come, but maybe a few of the leaders. So when they came, they brought corn, they brought deer, it says they brought fowl. It doesn't say turkeys, but they brought fowl, and they had three days of celebration and praising God with the Native Americans that had helped them survive the first year. Uh, so this, this is something to think about. After a year, they gave thanks for a miserable passage, for losing half their people, almost freezing to death. Would we be thankful if we had gone through that kind of a year? I think that would stretch our faith. Uh, most of us would be in a mad mood and certainly not thankful for what we had experienced. And then we think of the modern Thanksgiving Day. Have you ever heard anybody in your family say, I don't like turkey? Do I have to go? There's nothing to do. I don't want to eat at the kids' table. Do I have to dress up? I'd rather stay home and watch football. I think we probably all heard some of those excuses from our families over the years. And more grumblings and complaints than that. I fear for a lot of people, Thanksgiving has become Macy's Day Parade, picking out football overload and a nap in a big chair. When I was able to travel to Africa some years ago, I saw people who had nothing and they were totally happy. They were thankful for anything they had, any, any, anything you gave them. They were happy for, the, for a meal. They were happy for cornmeal. They were happy for anything they had. There's a big difference between us 
and them. They have an attitude of thankfulness, though they have little. We take everything for granted. So as I was working on this, I thought I'd see what the Bible had to say about gratitude and thanksgiving. So I said, Siri, how many references are there in the Bible to gratitude and thanksgiving? And about one second later, she replied, 195 to 197, depending on the translation. Pretty fast way to look it up. I didn't even have to count them. So there's a lot of references in there to thanksgiving and being grateful to God and to a, a lot of other things. So I, I was going to talk about a thankful people, but I changed the name to an unthankful people, an ungrateful people. I wonder if Christians are known for being grateful people. Back when I taught Sunday school, some years back, a lot of the students were working at a restaurant in Red Wing, and there was a ladies' group from a church that would come in, and nobody wanted to wait on them. They were the worst tape tippers. They complained about everything. They didn't like the food. It was too salty. The coffee was cold, blah, blah, blah. And they, nobody wanted to, to, to even take their tables. And then, uh, and on top of that, no tips. And uh, they commented and among themselves, they were all, not all the kids that were working there were Christians, they goes, I wouldn't want to be like those people. If that's what Christians are, I wouldn't want to be like those people. They were ungrateful, unthankful. So why do you think the Bible mentions gratefulness and thanksgiving so often? It should not be due to our circumstances that we're thankful it says, rejoice always, pray continually, and it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Hmm. When your coffee's cold, give thanks. When you lose half your people on a journey across the ocean, give thanks. Hard things to do. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation following prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present them to God. When you've got something you have to pray about, present it to God with thanksgiving. Even the person who is having a real rough time has things to be thankful for. A few verses later in Philippians 4, 12 to 14, Paul writes, I know how to live with nothing or everything, or nothing in abundance, depending on the translation. I learned the secret of living in every situation, whether my stomach is full or empty. For I can do everything through Christ which gives me strength. The apostle praised God in prison, in good times and bad times. So why should we have this attitude? Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. We should be glad that the sun came up this morning, that we have breath in our, in our lungs, that our heart is beating, and we have another day to do his work in this dark world. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He shines his light through us that others may see. What a great reason to get up in the morning and get going and give thanks. Psalm 116, 17 is a, is a very interesting verse. To you I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. God considered 
thankfulness or thanksgiving a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, people brought animals to the temple to be killed to be atoned for sin. That was a sacrifice. There were sacrifices of first fruits and things. But thankfulness was a sacrifice that we could give to God for what he has given us. Just think about that. It's a sacrifice, thanksgiving. And 1 Chronicles 16 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. Give thanks to God, for he is good. Even if things aren't good in our lives, God is still good. If our world is falling apart, God is still good. If there's a war 50 miles away, God is still good. If there's no water and no gas and no electricity, God is still good. And if we got what we deserved, we would be ash in a flash. Um, he does not give us what we deserve. If he did, we'd be dead. God valued us enough to send Jesus, his son, to take our place on the cross so we can have eternal life. We truly have a good God, and that's a lot to be thankful for. Colossians 2.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything we do, we're supposed to give thanks. That's not a suggestion, that's a command. Sometimes we feel that we've been kind of dealt an unfair hand in life. My life is a little tougher than some of my neighbors and friends. Maybe I have obstacles, maybe I've lost loved ones, maybe I'm sick. And uh, I don't feel that quite, I have a reason to be thankful like somebody who lives in Millionaire Avenue and has a million-dollar mansion and more money than they could figure out what to do with. Sometimes we face terrible headwinds in our life as adversity comes at us. And we say, oh, well, I can't be thankful when I'm facing these terrible things. I have a little sailboat. I used to sail it a little bit. I don't sail it at all anymore. And we get, a, get on the boat, and when the wind is blowing the right direction, heading across the lake, it was great. But it didn't matter which way the wind was blowing. I could still get to my destination. There are ways to get through to your destination when the wind is in your face. You have to work a little harder. You have to tack. But I can still get my boat there whether I'm facing a headwind or a tailwind. It doesn't make any difference. It's the way I set my sail that determines the way I'm going to go. I can give thanks when things are going well and the wind is at my back. I can give thanks when I'm facing an onslaught of a storm because I can still get to my goal. The same with thanksgiving and gratitude. Thanksgiving is not based on feelings, or at least it shouldn't be. We have a tendency to say, I don't feel like giving thanks. But it's an attitude that we have to have, an attitude of thanksgiving. It's a decision of my mind and my soul to be thankful where I am and for whatever I'm doing, and not for what I'm feeling. That's the hard thing for us to grab in, in this country, is this concept of uh, the attitude of thanksgiving we see everybody around here running a million miles an hour trying to accumulate wealth and possessions and as they face the challenges of life. Regardless how things are going, I have a friend who states 
the very obvious, but sometimes hard to accept. It's all good. That's the attitude of gratefulness and gratitude that we need in our lives. Praise God, for he is good. Thank you. appreciate that message that you brought to us this morning. Um, I know I'll speak for myself, you know, it's like sometimes if you're being honest, like how many of us, you know, a flat tire would cause us to question the sovereignty of God. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think we all fall guilty <coughs> and are guilty of that. Uh, so thank you, Ken, for uh, kind of centering us this morning and reorienting uh, our hearts and our eyes towards uh, the goodness of God and the goodness of what a blessing it was, so thank you. Please stand with us as you're, as you're able this morning, and we're going to sing, uh, we're going to sing glory, let there be peace uh, as, we, as we close our time this morning. Yeah. 
they asked me to announce anyone wanting prayer to gather up here after the service, and council members will meet with them for prayer. I will close with the Jude benediction. Please let us pray. To him who was able to keep you from stumbling and present you before the glorious presence without fault and great joy, to our only God and Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen.